0: Hi, I'm Chris McBride, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome.
1: And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 83 The Martian Movie Review.
0: With Brian, and that is Yancey Eaton and this is Pop Goes Your World. You know if you're new to the podcast you know we don't just review Gen X movies around here we also take a look at millennial movies and uh, this episode we're going to do just that we're going to take a look at 2015's The Martian but before we get started Yancey Eaton my friend how are you man?
1: Chris, I'm doing well. Um, my cat, Nico, who's a rescue cat, my wife and I adopted him together before we got married. He has been extremely under the weather and several uh, expensive veterinary trips, but it looks like he's going to make a full recovery. And uh, yeah, that's been like the focal point of my life right now It's just trying to worry about this cat. It's really weird that I used to be that type of person when I was younger where I had like this weird thing about animals. Like I didn't like touching dogs and cats. I, I would not consider myself like a pet person at all. I'd always wash my hands when I was in a room with a dog or a cat. And now like I'm, I'm so like incredibly emotionally invested in the welfare of my dog and my cat at home that like, uh, I mean time really stops whenever he was sick. And we dropped him off at the vet for just not even a whole day, just half a day. We wouldn't even leave him there overnight. And uh, just the feeling, um, I know this sounds very like woo woo, like new age stuff, but like the energy in our house was completely different without him being there. And obviously cats aren't nearly as emotive and expressive and they don't they don't show as much emotion as, you know, say a dog does or obviously a person does. But um, it was weird just not having that one little facet of our family in there. And it's its kind of nice to have him back. And, um, you know, it looks like he's going to make a full recovery, thankfully. But other than that, I've just been. Really hunkering down again, um, just diving back into reading as much books as I can. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to set a goal for myself to pump out, you know, a A large chunk of books right before the end of the the year starts. Um, I turn 30 in December and I'm just trying to like set myself up from an intellectual standpoint. I know this sounds super corny, but whenever um, your job consists of a lot of routine and a lot of things are the same, um, it's nice to kind of set goals for yourself and feel like you're working towards something. So that's kind of what I've been doing is just taking care of the home and uh, just reading like it's my job. What what about you,
0: man? You're going to be 30. That's great. I won't be able to call you young fella anymore. You're going to be old Mm -hmm. like me soon. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah um, I mean I'm basically there Chris
0: yeah I mean you're basically old <laughs> and ancient like I am uh we got some snow this morning believe it or not just light couple of light things but the snow is coming that's for sure uh last episode I was talking about how my wife and I were looking for a new show to watch we binge watched uh Breaking Bad and a couple other shows recently and we we're looking for a new one and uh I think I mentioned we, we tried watching The Wire and I didn't like it a couple people told me I gotta watch Better Call Saul and I think I don't know it's gonna be tough for me because I'm i am I, I, when I watched, and I'm not saying I'm not going to watch Better Call Saul. Uh, maybe we will at one point. But for me, when I watched Breaking Bad, um, Kirk's character, I, I didn't really like it that much. I thought he was a weak point on the show. I know people are going to email me about that. But I, so I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe we'll come around to it. I tried watching House of Cards. We watched one episode. I heard so many good things about it. And I'm really, really political, too, as you know. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to love this show. Watched one episode. Didn't like it. I was like, no, no. no I,
1: Chris, I've never seen an episode of House of Cards. Man. I've never seen an episode of The West Wing and both shows are so popular and you always hear them as like, you know, some of the best shows the last 10, 15 years. I've just never cared enough to watch them. And I know that that's probably just a blind spot on my on my part. But like, I feel you. I just don't I don't know. I just don't want to get into it.
0: So we tried a new one and it's uh, and, and I got some high praise for it. It's Ozark. So a couple of people told me I gotta watch Ozark. So it's only two seasons on Netflix right now. I think they've yep. just been commissioned for a third season. They'll be coming out at some point. But uh I'm almost done season two and it's really, really good. Oh, it's really good. I like it a lot. So that's that's a good one I'd recommend to anybody that's out there. But uh yeah, I so- watched
1: I watched about the first five episodes, and um, I liked it. I definitely liked it a lot. It's 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 kind of like Breaking Bad, um, but instead of like dealing drugs, it's all about money laundering. Right, and, right. Um, it, it's a really it's I don't want to say it's a, a totally unique premise. Like I said, it's it's very Breaking Bad ish, but um, just a different spin. But what's his name? Jason Bateman. Um, yes,
0: and yeah, Laura I'm Linney, saying- and Laura Laney's really good in it too.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, it's off to a great start. For whatever reason, I just stopped watching it, maybe because um, I think my sister changed her Netflix pa- password and I'm too cheap to buy. My own Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So I'll they get go. around to it eventually. Um, Jesse, if you're listening to this, I, I'll, I'll ship you another twenty dollars here you go. eventually. Got to get, um, get
0: one of those uh, Android box thingies. And you can watch whatever you want. You know, that's yeah. what you need to do. Uh, listen, if anybody out there wants to reach out to us, you can get us on Twitter at Yancey Eaton or at C McBrien. just remember McBrien is I-E-N. Or you can always go to PopGoesYourWorld.com find all our information on there and we do have a bit of an ask yancy and i before we get started if you could just take two minutes out of your day and go over to itunes and leave a review write a review for the show you know that would really help us so it helps us reach a lot more people so that'd be great other than that yancy are you ready to get started with our movie review this week chris i was born ready all right let's do
1: it not ryan adams but Brian Adams, right, Yancey? You know, back in the early '80s, Yancey, you can find it on YouTube. Let's go crazy! Oh, I've heard that before. You know, the indie kids, the skater kids. I never liked the Tragically Hip. I would say that's borderline blasphemous. My hometown
0: of Port Elgin, Ontario.
1: We're, we're quibbling at this point.
0: I must be getting early.
1: Clocks are running late. Oh, yeah, it's a grateful dead. Just knowing that one piece of trivia makes this whole thing worth it.
0: Okay, so um, this week, like as I mentioned, we're going to be taking a look at 2015's The Martian. Um, I'm going to let you kind of kick things off in a second, Yancey, um, because this was your movie that you nominated. It's a millennial film that we're going to get into. But before we do, I just wanted to make a statement, if I could, if that's cool. Absolutely. Uh, dude, we get it. You really like space movies.
1: <laughs> I do. I and, really like And you know, I just it.
0: want to say something up front. <laughs> like a while ago, our good buddy, uh, Nate Dawkin from the Nasty Cast, he kind of pointed out the fact that every movie that you nominate for the show route here is either a, a space movie or like set in a dystopian future. And it seemed to me, maybe I was wrong. But it seemed to be that you had a bit of an epiphany on the podcast. And, and you stated that you realized the error of your ways. And you recognized that you're, you were stuck on space movies and these dystopian future movies. And you on the podcast, we'll go back and I'll find it. You committed to making a concerted effort, young man, to nominate different movies. And, you know, movies from a more diverse thematic point of view. And mm-hmm. so the first movie that you nominated after your transformation – is a dystopian film about an astronaut stuck alone on Mars trying to survive. I just can't, I just don't-, don't
1: my Whoa, background. whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. First off, an explanation. Okay, you are right, I did say that and namely the reason why i, I <laughs> this is kind of bad this makes me look awful but um i forgot i forgot to pick a movie okay so i forgot to pick a movie and at least you're being
0: transparent that's
1: good <laughs> yeah i i didn't have it prepared for me for whatever reason um even though we, we have the same format as far as like whenever i have a movie i know that you're picking a movie next i, I know all of these things and so, i just so, so what you're saying so
0: what you're saying is we got to the end of the 16 candles and then when i got to the point of the show when i said Yancey, what's the movie that you wanted you didn't have something prepared for your movie that's
1: Correct. what you're saying okay just so, I understand. Okay, so uh, let me, look, I, I get that out of the way. I own that. That's good. on me. That's very totally. Right? Nathan's totally right for saying that. And, you know, he's a good dude. I totally understand that. However, I do take umbrage with the fact that <laughs> you're calling the Martian a dystopian sci-fi movie, which it is very much not. It is the opposite of dystopian. This is a movie that has a ton of heart. It is is extremely optimistic. This is about a guy that loves life, refuses to give up, and it's about the world basically rallying around behind him like a bunch of people that are on disparate parts of the world and ideologies that basically rally around and spend all this money and time and effort and, you know, just so much emotional investment in making sure that they bring this guy home. And I think it is a, a beautiful, beautiful, fantastically well shot, well acted, well scripted movie. Um, what, what let me kick it back to you. Yeah. What do you think about yeah. it? it? It is not dystopian at all. So, well the, not re- okay.
0: well, the reason why I would categorize it as a dystopian movie is just like I said, like it's about a guy that's stuck on Mars. I mean, how much more dystopian can you get than that? That's terrible. Right. Um. Okay, so I will. I, a couple things right off the bat. I just want to go. Just say this right off the bat. Of all the movies that you've made me watch on this pod and for this podcast, this is actually one of the better ones, Yancy. Oh
1: wow! Okay, this is
0: one of the better ones. I was surprised, and I didn't think it was going to go that way. I watched this movie with my wife, and she was at least excited that Matt Damon was in it. You know, apparently he's a hottie Yancey. Who knew? Um, Whenever, you know, whenever I think of Matt Damon, I think of that marionette from Team America, World Police. Matt Damon. (laughs) That's it right there. That's it. So, you know, apparently a large swath of the public uh, finds him to be a sex symbol. So anyway, my wife was all excited to watch this movie because of Matt Damon. And um, after about four minutes, she's like, oh, this movie's dumb. But you know what? It, it it and I and I was kind of with her. I'm like, oh god, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. But here's one of the things I, I didn't I didn't share her opinion. I I actually thought the movie was pretty good. All things considered, you know, but 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 I, I, a couple of things so. One of the reasons why I liked it, you kind of got into it, was it just didn't all take place on Mars. If it was, I was thinking, oh, man, yeah, okay. My first thought was, oh, I really liked this movie the first time I saw it when it was called Castaway, you know? And I was, I started to getting into that. But then what I liked <laughs> was the fact that then they – it was almost 50-50 between Mars and back on Earth.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that – I
0: was like, thank goodness. If it was two hours of Matt Damon on Mars – it's just like when I had to watch that stupid movie Moon that you made me watch, you know, with mm-hmm. Sam Rockwell, and I was like, "Oh, it's completely,
1: I, yeah, it's completely on this moon yeah, base, right?" I hated it, and and it was just I hated that movie. And but the fact that
0: this one shifts back to Earth and shows Houston and what they're trying to do, so then I was like, "Okay, now this movie has some, you know," and then it's at least grounded in something, and you're invested in it in some way rather than just watching some guy try to survive. And mm-hmm. uh, and then you could see kind of the back and forth how they're plotting and trying to make it happen. So I actually thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I have a couple of questions for it that came to my mind and I made some notes. So hopefully you can have some answers for me. Um, Okay. Why were they on Mars in the first place? I don't think that was established, was it? Why were they there?
1: Uh, so I mean, it, basically, these were scientific expeditions. They were collecting, like it says in different pieces of dialogue throughout the film, that they were uh, running experiments. They were collecting rock samples. Um, basically, like I, I like to think of it as this was the first, um, the first set of missions uh, in an attempt to start colonizing and eventually terraforming Mars. Um, I, I've read the book once. I can't remember the exact details. As I don't even think they get into specifically why he is there. Um. It, it's it's more along the lines of just data gathering. So they're 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 gathering information about the planet. Um, they're doing all types of tests, and um, you know, like Mark Watney is a botanist himself. So like they're they're going to see if if certain things can grow, if he if he's able to you know um, you know b- basically like does it make sense? It's it's just all about data gathering. You know, it's just like if a uh, one business is researching another and seeing they want to acquire them. They start learning about them, and that's that's the first thing that they do. This is the primary mission here; it's just is information gathering. Um, there's no permanent established base there. There is like an actual like a little place that he does stay in, but it's not designed to be any type of long term solution or anything like that. Um, they it's only meant to be used a couple times. They're only meant to be there for a certain yeah. number of days, and then they come back. But um, it's, it's this is not the Ramada Inn.
0: There's no Ramada Inn there on Mars.
1: Is yeah, what you're correct. Saying. This is this is the intermediate. This is in the the very near future, right, where um, human beings have landed on Mars. We maybe have had half a dozen trips or so there, um, but nothing as far as like the the outreaching, like, you know, 50, 60, 70 years from from now where, you know, we've established any type of permanent, like permanent residence on the on the planet.
0: Uh, and then another question I had early on, I don't know if this got answered, but where does the power come from? How did they get power? Because they had power inside their little uh, space station there. Mm hmm.
1: Um, I mean, I assume most of it's solar and they also talk about plutonium, right? Where, uh, he basically went and got that old disposed of plutonium nuclear reactor that they buried in the sand. Um, they use that as a nuclear reactor to get most of their power from, it shows like the Mars Rover and stuff where it actually had solar panels and stuff too. So I think it's a combination of solar and the nuclear reactors that they brought with them and then essentially buried with like the little, you know, like do not dig me up markers because it's radioactive. They buried them off and, you know, and like remote dunes and stuff on side of it, So it's mostly nuclear power that got that runs things there.
0: OK, and I remember I had another question that came to my mind early in the movie because I was wondering, I thought if he dies, will his body decompose there? And then they ended up answering that a little bit later in the movie. But the good thing is, is that at least this movie had me questioning, like, you know, like unlike some of the other movies you maybe watch where I just kind of shut down or whatever. But no, right. like, I was always, always, like coming up with questions throughout the movie and stuff, because um, another thing you know that what? I remember standing up oh, was sorry, go ahead.
1: Very, very quickly because yeah. um, this is like one of the main things that I did want to discuss about this movie and you just brought it up like perfectly. It's so, like kudos to you, virtual high five for like the nice segue. Okay, the one thing that like literally the one gripe that I have with this movie and it's a small one so I don't want to give like an, an out. But like an overweighted um, importance on this in the book, obviously, there is no limitation on what you can write with your words or how creative you can be or how elaborate or how long a book is. Right. I understand that making a movie is hard. You have constraints that you would not have whenever you're writing a book. Okay. the the worst thing anybody can ever say is the book was better. No, of course, it's going to be better. Right. Right. With that being said, the one thing that I found the most endearing and incredibly charming and, and super fascinating about the actual Martian book by Andy Weir was how much he goes into depth about the specific science of things. Um in this movie, it doesn't really give you specific numbers. It doesn't give you calculations, it doesn't give you like an actual thought process or like um you know, like a, a set of events or like how his mind is working. He's not really ever going into that stuff specifically and I understand that this was you know this is a Matt Damon movie this was directed by Ridley Scott like this is a Hollywood production so it's gonna have to be a little bit more accessible for the masses um but like there's so many instances in this movie where like Matt Damon's basically just saying like oh I'm just gonna grow some potatoes whereas in the book it goes into depth like I need exactly this many calories I need the this many liters of water the temperature has to be this much I need this many of 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 this you know element and this and this and this or you know, even w- whenever they show uh Childish Gambino's character, uh, Parnell, um, are, are you familiar with uh, Donald Glover? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was, he was the guy that came in and he was like really scientific and he kind of knew everything. And yes. Was he? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I remember that guy. Yeah.
1: And he's like, who are you? And he's like, I am the director of NASA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. So like even like him, like it shows him just like randomly, like in, in like a server room, like plugged into the servers. And it just says like, it just shows his laptop and it's like, you're – your uh, numbers check out, or the calculations are correct. Like, what calculations? What numbers are being shown there? What what processes are you are you going through to arrive at these assumptions? Um, the biggest the biggest charm to the actual book itself is the nitty gritty. It is in the details and. Um, like I said, it's it's not – it doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't – I, I still enjoy the movie, obviously. Um, but I wish that they would have incorporated just a little bit more of that so you get more of like this sense of like, OK, this Mark Watney guy on film, he is charming. He is funny. He's incurably optimistic. Um, he's obviously very good at his job as a botanist and as a scientist and being able to think rationally and quickly. Um, but like I really wish they would have delved into that more and shown like that that huge character arc that he has inside the book which is like this is a very very bright person and just seeing how his mind works I, I felt like they did a little bit of a disservice to the character
0: yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because i think early on in the movie like something that stood out to me was when he first realizes that he gets left behind on mars and he and he he looks at the he looks at the camera and he goes i'm going to have to science the shit out of this and yep. as soon as he said that, the first thing that I said to my wife, I said, this is one of the reasons why Yancey loves this movie right here, because you love yeah. science and you <laughs> love how things work, you know? Yeah, correct. And so I knew that that was right away. But I think you make a good point. and And it's really difficult to do in the, in, in the film is that the, the book would get into a lot of detail, I guess, about how he does science, you know, the, the daylights out of stuff. And it's really hard to show in the movie. A couple things that were like, and I thought they handled it pretty well overall. I mean, I'm, I didn't go fact checking it or anything like that, but the explanations that they gave, one that stood. Out to me though was when he was trying to like disable the heater in the rover and he's like oh it's getting really cold in here I'm thinking yeah okay this is not this is not right it's like it's like minus 100 degrees on Mars if you're turning mm-hmm. that heat off you're dead instantly like you'll freeze it's like Canada for crying out loud it's like right. minus 100
1: he was so, in a spacesuit of course but yes yeah, I, I but just but still
0: I so I mean you know that kind of got me um and another thing that stood out to me early in the movie and I made a note of it and I don't you know it just I don't know what it was but it was about him I noticed like he 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 was always clean shaven and, and they, they kept elapsing those uh, SOLs and I'm like, he keeps, he's clean shaven. So I'm assuming he's shaving every day. And that brings me to another thing that was it, was it souls or SOLs? Cause to be SOL, yep, a soul. I, Oh, yep. it was a soul. Cause I thought if it's SOL, that would be kind of funny because SOL, do you know what SOL stands for?
1: I do. This is a family show though, Chris, even oh, though okay. I already said <laughs> once. Yeah, <laughs> you, you
0: did. So yeah, it means you know, you're, you're S out of luck. Right. But, uh, so, but so it was soul. Soul. Is that right? Right. It's like Mars days or something.
1: So, yeah, it's basically that's exactly what it is. You you, you nailed it on the first try. So uh, obviously Mars's orbit is not the exact same length as Earth's. So that's just like a standardization of time saying that you're there for how many souls. And it's just it's a quick conversion. If somebody were on Earth to be like, oh, if he was there for 30 souls, it would equal this many Earth days.
0: Like dog years or something. Because to me, soul, just as a complete, um, you know, aside, uh, as I like to do sometimes on this show, there used to be this Canadian television show called Soul. And I think maybe somebody could like tweet at me or something. Actually, I think it was like Parley, Parley Moore Parley Moor or something like that. And it had this like French clown in it. He was like a tramp type clown. Is that what the ones that are like sad? The sad clowns. And his job was like he was supposed to teach like basic French words to like English people. And How did we get here? I know. I, every <laughs> time it used to come on TV when I was a kid, I'd always turn the channel. We had like two channels back then. And I would rather watch like the news nope. than this stupid French clown. But anyway, that's I digress. Like I say, I'd like to go off on damage tangents. But uh, Saul, well, that was a Canadian thing. OK, a couple of things I really liked about this movie. This is going to be surprising to no one. At all, Yancey. Number one. He was at one point he was watching Happy Days. And so needless (laughs) to say, anytime you nominate a millennial movie for the podcast and it has Fonzie in it, I'm totally cool with that. Um luckily for you, Yancy, it wasn't the episode where Fonzie jumps the shark. Um are do you know what that is, what that means? Uh,
1: yes, of course. Chris, and you know, you mentioned the Fonz, like in all seriousness, I I was I knew you would bring it up and like this was going to be like a a litmus test to see if you had actually like really paid attention to the movie, because I knew if you saw that and if you were actually paying attention to the movie, it would be brought up in the podcast. Like I literally made a note of this for the podcast.
0: And later on, I think when Houston asked him to pose for a photo, remember, he gives the two thumbs up. Hey. And, and I think yeah. it was a was Kristen Wigg's character or somebody. She says, oh, I asked him for a photo and he's the Fonz. So, again, yeah. any movie with a Fonzie reference is OK on my book. So that was one thing I liked. The other thing that I liked as a throwback to Gen X was there was a, the incorporation of disco music. And, you know, they, when they, they first showed him watching Fonzie and listening to disco music – part of me was like did they go up to mars like back in the 70s like why is he watching happy days and listening to disco music so a little bit that it threw me off a bit i guess it turned out one of the other characters on there she likes disco music or something like and so she brought it with her
1: right yeah so everybody gets like a small bin of personal effects that they can take with them and so that's how he ended up finding like you know random uh, like the 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 symbols that he uses to communicate with them like the, was it was that the deca symbols or hexa symbols i can't remember what it was called um i'm not that smart but uh yeah like basically like the only music in the entire place was like he went through her stuff and found like oh, yeah it was just a bunch of disco music and you know the only movies that he could find was like old 70s stuff like nobody else everybody brought different things with them and like that was the only type of actual media that he could consume so i mean if you have a choice of like being by yourself and either listening to, you know, what you think is bad music or just listening to no music at all. I think most people would actually prefer to listen to bad music.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they they, they did explain that, that she brought up that the the disco music, but I don't think they ever explained why they brought along episodes of Happy Days to watch. That was really odd. (laughs) Um, Another thing I thought that was interesting was, uh, you know, how duct tape basically fixes everything. Like he he basically uses it to fix every single problem he comes across. And I don't know what it's like down in the U.S., Yancy, but up here in Canada, there's like a running joke with all of us that if anything is broken, anything at all, you use duct tape. And so it it was it was
1: that's definitely an American thing, especially in the southeast, for sure. Perfect. So it was
0: for me, it was quite funny when I see that duct tape fixes everything, even on Mars. For Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Um, Matt Damon. But at one point, I think the the whole front door blew off and he fixed the whole thing with duct tape. You know, apparently when they send astronauts into space, they send them with a lifetime unlimited supply of duct tape. It's like half of the NASA budget, apparently. I don't know. (laughs) One other question that came up scientifically, because, you know, we mentioned how this movie is all about he's going to science the daylights out of this, and it's all about science, science, science. But one thing that stuck out to me was... I think at one point he was like two years into his being there. How is it that you eat nothing but potatoes for two years and you're still ripped? Like he took his shirt off and he's ripped because my wife is like, oh, yeah, Matt Damon's so hot. I'm like, wait a minute. He's been eating nothing but potatoes for two years. How does this work? Like if if that was if, the, if that was the case, that you eat nothing but potatoes for two years and you're ripped— my consumption of potato chips should be that I sh- I should look like the Rock. <laughs> like instead, I look like a bag of wet cement. So how is this possible? I don't understand. To me, that that seemed a little bit odd.
1: Um, maybe it was a little odd. Obviously, there's a little bit of Hollywooding that's going on there. I will say this: towards the end of it, he has lost a ton of weight, right? And so you got to think he's he's initially anticipating being there for a certain number of days, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Hablows and he basically loses a huge amount of food growing capacity like all of his potato trees freeze the the soils um, you know completely corrupted everything right so he went from having like a certain caloric intake that he could sustain to where all of a sudden there was going to have to be drastic drastic rationing so mars's mars's gravity is only 30% of the earth's um, so technically like your the, the effect of gravity doesn't make it to where like your body technically isn't taxing nearly as much. Right. So a thousand calories a day can actually go a little bit further than it would on Earth, just because there's a lot of different considerations that, you know, just just from a, a, a pure biological standpoint, it doesn't take nearly as much to stay alive. So given the fact that like he's obviously taking vitamin supplements, it shows that they have a full they have a full, you know, uh, uh, prescription prescription anything you can think of they have there at one point he even talks about how like he's just randomly going to crush up some Vicodin and put it in his his potatoes just because he wants to just because he wants to feel good Um, which kind of like plays into like the whole like who he is as a character he's just like this funny person to begin with Um, yeah I mean when you couple that with the fact that like he's he's specifically like like, rashing off his food as it gets closer and closer to where, like, you're going to start seeing, like, his body basically eating itself. You know what I mean? So I think that explains a little bit. I I know it's not perfect. He probably should have looked a lot worse towards the end of the movie than he actually did. Um, But I I, I do think that they at least tried. They made it a point to show him at at the very beginning of the film just completely jacked, looking like a, you know, like a Marvel superhero or something. And then towards the end, they show, like, his, you know, he's completely emaciated. His teeth are starting to rot, like, all all that stuff. So there's definitely an effort there to be at least somewhat Yeah,
0: seemed to be awful quick in the timeline of the film. Like it was like he was ripped, he's ripped, he's ripped, he's ripped, he ripped. And then all of a sudden he's got a beard and he's like emaciated. And so it was just, I don't know. It was, there was another thing that stood out to me. There was a scene back on Earth and they had, uh, I think it were two Chinese characters that were speaking in Chinese to each other and there was no subtitles. And it was a yeah. long scene. Which I understand why they'd kind of want to do that just to be realistic. But I, I remember thinking, like, this is a really, really long scene with no subtitles going. On. Anyway, it doesn't matter. One quite another question I have, though, and maybe you can answer this because you're the science guy. Another thing that stuck out to me was remember when they were on Earth and they were like tracking him on Mars? Like, oh, he's there. Look, at now he's moving over there. Now he's yep. moving there. How do they track him on Mars? They don't have satellite, oh, but their satellites close enough to Mars to do that?
1: Yeah, they have multiple satellites. All these satellite pictures. Um, I mean, Chris, at any given point right now, like we have we have a couple. I mean, I, I, at least half a dozen satellites that are circling around Mars right now, taking photos constantly. Oh, so, like, okay. they, they, they already knew what the topography looked like for the place. They already had. You got to think this is a couple years into the future, too, right? Like maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years, something like that. I thought
0: it was in two thousand and fifteen or something.
1: Um, I mean, and at the point, like it's it's in the it's in the near future. Like right. this isn't like they have like established like a full colony. And like, they so like, it is
0: another movie set in the future. Young man, I tell you.
1: Barely, barely, though. Right. No, nothing, nothing really that we're seeing there isn't something that like realistically right. like we couldn't concoct today. The biggest difference between like what we see in that film versus right now is like I firmly believe if this is getting on a tangent, but um, and it's, you know I me, mean, I just love talking about space for us to colonize Mars. It is going to have to be a co-op of multiple countries, right? It's going to have to be like very like Star Trekian, where you mentioned at the top of the show, like, yeah, this is dystopian. Um, just because he goes through like travails and, 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 you know, he has like a rough time in Mars, like that doesn't make it necessarily dystopia. Like when you go back to Earth, Earth kind of feels the same, except for the fact that like you see the Chinese and the Americans, two, you know, world powers who historically do not work together very much doing like working alongside each other and basically settling their differences at one point it even shows them like saying like we don't do things like that in nasa we haven't done that since 1995 or you know them like settling their differences to like save like a human being like that's like a real thing that like happens um so like it's just showing it's just showing like how how things can be like in the very very near future if we want to actually be like a, a multiplanetary system it's going to it's going to have to be something like in Star Trek where um, basically like world wars are solved. Star Trek isn't dystopian at all. Star, Star Trek, they live in a utopia. Um, yes. Once they leave and they're on the Star Trek enterprise, like they go through all these different, um, you know, all these different problems and stuff just because of Cardassian, or, you know, Cardassians and, and Klingons and stuff are obviously they're jerks, but um, this is like the
0: Kardashians are on the, are on Star Trek.
1: Cardassians.
0: Oh, the Cardassians. Okay. Yeah,
1: Kim K and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I, I'm rambling a little bit at this point, but, Let me get to like like what I think is one of the main themes of this film. And it is I think it's a lot about human spirit. Okay, and not again, you know, I gave you like the whole spiel on like my cat and his energy in my house and stuff. And I'm not trying to sound like super like New Wave or anything, but like human beings, whenever they work together, um, there's a reason why we're the most like transcendent species in the history of the of the world. Right. Um, Whenever we work together, we elevate the The floor becomes higher. Everybody improves. Everybody, iron sharpens iron, essentially. And I love the fact that, like this movie, like it's it's he is there on Mars by himself, but like you said, so much of the work is being done on Earth, helping him. Like these people are, they have identical copies of all of the machines and and the and the the um you know equipment and the fort that he's basically staying in. They know they have all this stuff at back home, and they're they're experimenting and they're trying to drill holes and stuff and see how that they can fix this or finagle that to get him where he needs to go. Like there's, there's so many different pieces of cooperation, um, you know, different people who would never have intersected in real life, basically bouncing ideas off each other. Like, I, you know, I've mentioned this ad nauseum already, but like something as crazy as like the Chinese basically lending us like <laughs> their spaceship, you know what I mean? Like it's just crazy. And this is like one of those Um, it, it wouldn't be so far fetched to think that like, you could see something like this, where, um, you know, in, in today's politics, Chris. I know you and I. We always say that this isn't a politics show, but we, um, we, we like tiptoe around politics, and like we, we, we try to inject it sometimes, um, even though we're just talking about pop culture. Sure. Um, but like the idea of globalism, um, it has like this very negative connotation to it, where uh, people think that if you're being a globalist, it means that you're putting the ideals and the wants and needs of another person that's not you over like your own right yeah and that's not it at all and that's that's not it at all but like it's basically just talking about like right recognizing the fact that like we are all human beings you know what i mean like we're all you know if if you follow any type of like uh you know religious affiliation most of these people believe that (coughs) we're creating like the image of a creator and that we are all equal and all these things but that doesn't somehow that's that's trumped and that's that's forgotten about whenever um whenever it whenever you, you you bring in tribalism right mm-hmm. um the dude that lives down the street well he doesn't live on our block so it's an us and them kind of thing and i i think that this one like it it it's literally flirts with that idea of people working together putting aside differences and it, it it flirts with that the entire time and for something that is that takes place in like a cold lifeless uninhabited planet such as mars i think that this movie has so many humanistic like qualities and so many different moments where um You know, just humans just like like we just triumph and prevail and just work alongside each other. I I just honestly, I think it's. I think it's magical that that they were able to package it in a movie like this with such a high budget, with so many like just noteworthy actors, and there was just so much going on in this movie, and you could see so many different paths that it could have taken to fail, and somehow, weirdly enough, it worked really, really well. What do you think?
0: Oh, absolutely! I think you you hit the nail on the head on everything on there. I thought it was a really, really well done movie. I think there was a lot of those things going on thematically that I did like in terms of the, the you mentioned globalism. These are humans right across you know the world helping each other out you know for for a higher for a higher cause you know in this case and um and and that higher cause is science really and, but but uh, but at the heart of it it's not just science because it's about saving somebody it's about you know one guy. Helping yeah. one person, you know, like, I mean, it's so cool. And so I think all the things you said are absolutely 100% correct. I, I thought this was a, a really good movie. Um, Of all the movies that you've made me watch, it was one of the best ones, I would say for sure. Um, Just to get dystopian, though, for one last second before we go. Um, <laughs> I
1: uh, love that word. <laughs> I do.
0: Well, before I go there, I, I will want to mention, what about the casting? You know, like like, I thought the casting was pretty good overall. Like, I mean, of course you got Matt Damon, Matt Damon. And, um, (laughs) but, and then, but I thought Kristen Wiig seemed like a little bit of an odd choice for her character. She stood out to me as, as being an odd odd choice. Um, I liked, you said his name was Glover. I liked him. I I thought overall, I thought the casting was really, really good. So, and I, and I've struggled with that with a lot of the the movies, the millennial films that you've uh, suggested in the past, but I thought this one was really good. And I'm not the biggest Matt Damon fan. Matt Damon. But I, I found he was really good in this. Uh, he, yeah, he's no, good I, in some things and, and other ones. I, I can take him or leave him. I thought I thought he was really good. I thought it was a really good movie um, overall.
1: I totally agree with you with the casting and like I do think that it's it's interesting that they went with so many actors and actresses who aren't necessarily the biggest actors in the world. Um, you know, Matt Damon is on, you know on the short list of you know some of the most successful of probably all time if you go well, by of gross. Course. But I mean, I mean, he's Matt but, Damon. Yeah. So he's Matt Damon. But aside from that, like like somebody, you know, actresses and actors who I'm very, very fond of whose work I've really enjoyed, like Jessica Chastain, like, you know, obviously she's phenomenal in interstellar and she has a bunch of stuff. Chris and Wig. um, I remember watching the movie and I actually remember watching a YouTube video beforehand where they're like, there is one casting decision where as soon as you see her, everybody in the audience is going to laugh because you're not going to believe that she is in this movie. And it happened as soon as she showed up in the movie. She's like the um, I don't know. What would you say? Like the like PR person, like the publicist, like right. the like the person who deals with, like the perception of the agency and how like how they broadcast themselves to the public. Um, So she's really good at her job. But it was like when you see her, you're like, whoa. I wasn't expecting that, but but weirdly enough, like her personality kind of fits that role. So I thought it was really interesting. You mentioned Jeff Daniels as Teddy Sanders. He's the, you know, the head of NASA. He's, you know, he's not funny. He is not um, like this guy who's trying to charm people over. He is the proverbial corporate hard ass who has to go through the bureaucratic you know, bureaucratic red tape and has to do things the right way. And, you know, like even like all the complimentary pieces, um, like the people who are like the eighth or or ninth or 15th, most notable actor or actress in this movie are phenomenal actors like Michael Pena or Sean Bean or Kate Mara, um, Sebastian Stan, um like there's just so many like there was so many decisions in this even like mackenzie davis she was like the uh kind of like the nerdy girl who like had control over the satellites from earth with the glasses like yes. the really pretty blonde yeah girl. um i don't know if you've watched black mirror she's in the san june episode of black mirror and it's absolutely phenomenal um but just like all these like really kind of like cult favorite actors and actresses like it's um I don't know man it's just there's so many things about this like like just their decision and like Donald Glover obviously like I said he's Childish Gambino who's like just one of the hottest musicians and and actors and like he's just doing everything right now just to see all of them like this con conglom- like this uh conglomeration is the word I'm trying to say all this together and how how they work together and like we forget the fact that Mark Watney um you know Matt Damon's character that he does he says. He's basically by himself the entire movie. There's a there's a couple minute scene at the very beginning where they're, you know, they're about to, you know, they're they're going through some stuff. There's a storm there. The crew leaves, and then this entire movie, he is by himself, right? And yet, you can they did such a good job of developing a relationship between the crew and him, especially whenever the crew like gets to talk to him while he is still on Mars, and you see the personalities and you see how like they jab at each other and you know, hey, Bonnie isn't a real science or you you know you suck at your job. Like there's just so many of these like little personal things that actually we always talk about character development and caring about how these people interact with each other you know what i mean yep and for all these people having such small parts and so many different actors being in it i just feel like they nailed that like i cared about every single character it's just i could talk about this all the time like this is one of those movies where like i said i, I read the book i loved it right i read the book this is one of those where, like i read in a few hours i just i, I powered through it. i was like wow this was amazing and then you hear that they're gonna make the movie it's an option you know, to film, and then you get scared, Chris. You start sweating, right? I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you love a book so much and you hold it like so dear to your heart that you almost don't want to see it because you are afraid of what they're going to do to it, right? Like I'm sure you've experienced this with sequels too, where like the first was so good, and then they made the the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix Revolutions, and you're like, why did you screw up the Matrix franchise, right? Oh yeah, I was, it's, it's like, like when they, yeah I,
0: when they came out with Meatballs too. Oh man, yeah, I was just so exactly excited.
1: right. And I was so scared, but <laughs> Revenge man.
0: of the Nerds too. Oh, I was so I just,
1: exactly. Oh. Why'd you do that? You know, it was a classic. <laughs> so like I was pleasantly surprised um that it went in this direction. And I know I'm just like gushing over this movie. Um, I, I did movie. give one. It's a good movie. I gave one small critique on it, which was like I like. like. I said, I wish they would have gone in at least one scene where it was just a little bit more into like the minutia of the science and like his thought process and, you know, like just how this guy's mind works. And I think it would have kind of endeared him to the audience a little bit more, knowing that this isn't just like a charismatic, funny guy, but it's also like just like a painfully bright dude. You know what I mean? And that's that's something I feel like was lost in the film. But overall, though, just I mean, it's just it's an absolute home run. This this movie got nominated for a ton of awards and deservedly so. Um, I'm I'm actually not even sure what it won. I think it was nominated for like best comedy or something like that. Um, best comedy. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. Like they they didn't know how to group this this movie. Like it's not really like just like a science fiction movie. It's not it's not a a, a drama. It's not really just a comedy. Boy, like, I um, tell you,
0: millennial comedies have really gone downhill. <laughs> if this is a comedy, let me tell you, I'm gonna go back and watch Airplane again. Jeez.
1: This movie gets a lot of laughs, Chris. Even you have to yeah, admit this. It,
0: it's it, there's, it's charming in parts. That's for sure. Yeah, okay. but I wouldn't say it's a comedy. Um, so just to go back for a se- just one second before we wrap it up and we get on to the fun part. Um, as I mentioned, just to throw a dystopian spin on things. So it, it came out in 2015. Could you, could you imagine, Yancey, going up into space on a mission to Mars, you leave your, your whole life behind you, your friends, your family, and you run into a storm. You get a steel rod impaled in your gut. You get left behind. You got to eat potatoes made you know out of your own shit. You know, and then you, you float through space and you have to cut your spacesuit and propel yourself toward your rescuers. You spend four years on a long journey back. All that. You get home and you find out Donald Trump is the president. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon just gets back in the rocket and just goes back to Mars. Matt Damon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But anyway, um, I, I would give it a rating. You want to give it a rating out of 10? It's obviously going to be high for you. What do you got?
1: Um, In all seriousness, Chris, I don't. I mean, I don't think there's no anything as like, a perfect piece of art. I will give this, like, a 9.5. Mm. From, like, a watchability standpoint, I think it's incredibly rewatchable from a humor standpoint for, you know, character development, caring about the characters, um, how they interact with each other. The CGI in this is absolutely phenomenal. Like, if you saw this in 3D which I know you watch this at home, which is fine. But if you saw it like in an IMAX 3D, it was absolutely amazing. It was one of the handful of movies where like it made sense that it was in 3D and it actually added something to it as opposed to feeling kind of gimmicky. Um, it's just it's so smart. There's science, there's humor, there's a humanism to it that like you just don't see in science fiction movies a lot. Um, I mean, it's, i, I got to give it like a 9.5. It's just a fantastic film all around. Wow, that's high. I, I'll tell you what. I thought it was good. I, I
0: thought it was it was bordering on almost great, um, but it, I don't think it was a masterpiece by any. You know, it was visually interesting. Uh, some of the characters were great. Uh, Matt Damon, you know, was great. I would probably give it an eight. I'll give it an eight out of ten,
1: which is high eight. for me. You know, an that's eight great. for you, Chris. I yeah. will take that. That is great.
0: Yeah. So there you go. So a time now. What do you think to have some fun, fun with Yancey? <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you what, Yancey, something a little bit different. You know, since he's such a fixture of millennial pop culture. I figured this week, my friend, that I'd give you a round of Matt Damon tribute. But what I'm <laughs> okay. going to do is I'm going to take it a step further, though. OK? I'm going to take it a step okay. further. Um, because si- ever since they did Goodwill Hunting together, you know, and they won the Oscar for Best Screenplay, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck have always been kind of associated together. And they're good friends, too, right? So mm-hmm. what I'm going to do for this round of Fun with Yancey, I'm going to make it really easy. okay I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to name him a movie. And all you have to do, Yancey, is tell me if the movie starred Ben Affleck or if the movie starred Matt Damon or if it starred both of them. Okay, so it's a one in three chance (laughs) of getting it all right.
1: Okay, this sounds like it would be super easy, but this is going to go horribly. (laughs) And and to make it even better, if
0: you guess Matt Damon as the, the person that stars the movie and you're correct and the movie actually did star Matt Damon, you're going to hear this. Matt Damon. You know, there's a little incentive to get it right, right?
1: And for another <laughs> there's chance. There's a little incentive? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And, for, an in- and you know, for us to be able to hear Matt Damon again. So that's always good. So, okay. So I named the movie, and you tell me <laughs> if it starred Ben Affleck or if it starred Matt Damon or both. Super easy. Here we go. Okay, nice and easy. Pearl Harbor. Both. No. No, it was just just Ben Affleck. Sorry. Okay, yeah. this is going great. Okay, Reindeer Games. Did Reindeer Games start Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, or both? Matt Damon. No, it was Ben Affleck. <laughs> oh, Stuck on You. Stuck on You. Was it Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, or both?
1: Ben Affleck. No, it was Matt Damon. <laughs> Jeez. School t- You're already in my head. You're Ugh. already in my head.
0: School ties from 1992. Did it star Matt Damon? Did it star Ben Affleck or both? Both. You got one correct. Congratulations. All right. The talented Mr. Ripley. Mm,
1: I know it's definitely Matt Damon. I'm going to say just Matt Damon. Matt Damon is correct.
0: Matt Damon.
1: Oh, and we get to hear
0: Matt Damon. So that's nice. (laughs) 1993. We're going back to 1993. Dazed and Confused. I have not seen it.
1: I'm going to say just Matt Damon.
0: No, it was Ben Affleck. Okay, 1999, your favorite year for movies, Yancey. Dogma. Dogma. Is it? Just Matt Damon. No, it was both of them. (laughs) The Legend of Bagger Vance. The Legend of Bagger... Just Matt Damon. Just Matt Damon is correct. Matt Damon. Okay, Paycheck from 2003. Was it Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, or both of them? Ben Affleck. That is correct. How about 2010's *The Company Men*? Both of them. No, it was just Ben Affleck. Uh, *Jersey Girl* from 2004. Who was Just in- Ben Affleck. No, Matt Damon had a small part as a PR <laughs> executive, my friend. That movie uh, was really bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was terrible. 1997's *Chasing Amy*.
1: Um, Matt Damon. <laughs>
0: No, it was both of them. Matt Damon had a small, small part. Have they
1: really been in this many movies together? Oh, of course. What about... I'm going
0: way back for you here. All right? 1989's Field of Dreams, Yancey. We love this. We love baseball. It's a baseball movie. Is Ben Affleck in this movie, Matt Damon, or both? Field of Dreams.
1: Matt Damon. No, I'm sorry.
0: They were both (laughs) in this movie. They both had uncredited roles as fans at Fenway Park when... uh, When Ray took Terrence Mann to the Red Sox. No. Yep. Okay, and the last one. Nice and easy. 1998's Saving Private Ryan. Oh. Come on, it's an easy one. I'm going with an easy one at the end.
1: Just Matt Damon.
0: Matt Damon. Yes, that's correct. Yes. And I went with the total obvious one, not because I wanted to go easy on you, Yancey, but just because I wanted to hear... Matt Damon. Matt Damon. One more
1: time to end the show. So there's that.
0: (laughs) So, so that was a kind of a fun way to end things. Like I say, those two guys are like always associated together. So I thought we'd have some fun. And you absolutely bombed it. And you're a millennial. You're supposed to know these guys. I tell you.
1: Hey, if I'm anything, it's consistent, Chris.
0: This is true, and this is why we call it (laughs) fun with Yancy because we definitely have fun with you at the end of the show, and it's always good. Okay. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at Yance Eaton or at C McBrien, or you can go to PopGoesYourWorld.com. All of our contact information is there. And like I mentioned at the top of the show, if you enjoy the show, take a minute out of your day, go over to iTunes and write a review for the show. We would certainly appreciate it. And it really, really helps us out around here. Until next time, this is Chris McBrien for Yancey Eaton saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at C McBrien or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.